Okay. Let me uh Okay. What up, what up, what up? I am John, and this is the John Muhammad Podcast Show. And today I guess is a brother out of the Midwest, Detroit, Michigan. But his brother now lives in Houston, Texas. He was discovered by a cat named Chuck D from Public Enemy back when he was only 17 years old. Uh, along, along with a group called MF 911, they were one of the first hip hop groups from Detroit to get signed to a major label record deal back in 1992. By 1994, mm. this brother became a radio personality in Detroit for FM 98 WJLB to build up his name and his fame. Now known for his hardcore production, chop samples sounding nothing like the original, the Boom Bat Kings was created. By this time, he resources productions out to other artists like the infamous Mob, Guilty Simpson, RZA, Raekwon, Ghostface Killer, Method Man, Proof, Scarface, and more. This cat has toured with some of the biggest names like Public Enemy, Mob Deep, EPMD, and the Wu-Tang Clan. And he's been on some of the most legendary tours in the game, like the Art of Rap and countless Public Enemy tours. He really needs no introduction, but for all my fans and followers, we need y'all to show love. But we got Ant Live in the building. What up, my brother? Peace, peace, John. I appreciate you for, for having me, man. That 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 introdu that introduction sound better than Noriega's introduction <laughs> and shit, man. I'm giving so Nori I'm, a little run for his money, huh? Oh man, you <laughs> killing him. I'm I'm a Nori fan, but you Definitely. killing him with your introduction. Okay, I, that's I'm, what's I'm, up. I'm humbled to be on this show, man. It's been a minute and I I've been looking forward to being on your show, man. I, I've, I've watched it and I've seen prior prior interviews and I was just like, yo, man, that's the first coalition crew, man. I, I really yeah. want to be on this. So I, I thank you, man. I, I can talk my talk, tell my story or whatnot. Definitely, definitely. This is the place to do it, brother. I appreciate you coming through. So let's get right into it, brother. Um, no doubt. Let's go back. You discovered that the age of 17. So we going, we going back a little ways. Okay. But okay. Uh, when did you first, when it did, when did it first hit you that you wanted to do uh, this music game, hip hop game for a living? Wow, man. Well, it goes all the way back to the seventies. My mother was uh, into the Beatles when she was a kid in the 60s and shit. So, you know, when I when I was born in the 70s, you know, I, I came up listening to rock and, rock and roll. <laughs> so we was like the only like the only black kid in the in the hood, in the projects in Detroit Third Street, mm -hmm. listening to that hard ass rock shit. Okay. So <laughs> I remember specifically uh, when I got into uh, hip hop. It's probably 1980. I was okay. in like the fifth grade. I think, yeah, 1980, 81, I was in the fifth grade. And uh, I heard uh, Rapper's Delight come on, on the radio. Okay. I said the hip, hop, hippie, the tippy, the hip, hip, hip. hip hop. And I remember, I remember I was, I had a, a friend who had spent the night with me named Anthony Foster, who spent the night over my grandmother's crib with me, okay. where I lived at the time. And that came on, and when I heard that, 
<laughs> you know, it was just like, oh man, it's just like kind of changed my life type of thing. So, you know, I was doing, I was in the bands, me and my boys from MF911 before we started rapping, we was playing Prince and Michael Jackson songs. So we would, we would, we would play for the neighborhood and the block and we would do our little thing. But I think by, by the time I heard Sucker MC, which I think came out in like 1983 from Run DMC, my whole energy changed from novelist in hip hop to a full hip hopper. So I was trying to find my avenue and my way in it. You know, so I want to say 83, when I heard that Sucker MC, I knew that's that's the only thing that I that that I wanted to be besides an athlete, a basketball player. I just knew this is how I wanted, this is what I wanted to do. So, you know, at that time, I'm from Detroit, so we, we don't have no hip hop community. You know what I'm saying? No hip hop community in Detroit at the time. It's just like, you know, few people here, few people there rapping. And uh, I just kind of found my drive. I got a real high drive. So, you know, it's something I'm into like the motor don't turn off, you know what I'm saying? So <clears throat> my drive was to be able to find me a way to become a rapper from that point in time. And my partners, uh, MF911, said Rat, Manny Main, my brother Tim, we were trying to find out, okay, well, since, since we transitioning from group into rap group, uh, you know, it was just like, yo, we trying to find that way out. A lot of it came on, it came on my shoulders. You know, I was a uh, my my guys from MF nine one one. They we they from a hood seven mile yeah. in Detroit. You know what I'm saying? Where my mother lived over there on that side of town. But I'm from the Third Street area where I live with my grandmother most of the time. So when I would get with them guys, you know, it was you know, come on fellas, let's do this. They was doping what they did, but it was like it was me. It's like you know, everybody jump on my back because I was a driving force for the group trying to find a way out of Detroit because, again, there was no hip-hop community. Gotcha. So by the time, you know, by the time we get to uh, 86, 87, you know, uh, hip-hop is really taking off. I'm like, we really deep in the ultra-magnetic MCs. Mm. So we go from, we go from, you know, you know of, co of course we're public enemy fans, right? but I don't know Chuck at this time. Okay. You understand? So we just we just hardcore public enemy fans, but we were always addicted to the boom bap. So the boom bap was essentially groups like Tila Rock, mm. uh Just Ice, mm. uh Boogie Down Productions, and the most infamous group boom bap at that time was Ultramagnetic MCs. Okay. So you had Cool Keith, yep. you had Sedge. You had TR Love and you had Mo Love. Public Enemy was tops to us, but yeah. we wanted to be like ultra magnetic. Mm. You follow me, what I'm saying? Yeah. That's what we to be like. So I get to the point where we, we're really going through this. Like I got two things that I'm doing in my life at this time. I'm not into no women. I'm not into nothing. The only thing that I'm into is Basketball, because I'm 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 trying playing high school ball, right? Which is fifty percent of of my time in hip hop, which is yep. the other fifty percent, and maybe grades might get twenty percent of that shit or something right. like that. But those <laughs> right. are the only things that 
that was going on with me in the 80s. I, I thought about nothing else but shooting ball like Isaiah Thomas and, and, and being a hip hop like Run DMC or LL Cool J. Right. So by the time we get to 1987, that's when I meet Chuck D. And it's, it's a crazy way how I met him. You know what I'm saying? Uh, I'm Me and my going to the Fresh Fest concert. I think it's the Fresh Fest. <clears throat> I think, yeah, 87. It was Fresh Fest. So we go down to the Fresh Fest at uh, Joe Louis Arena, downtown Detroit. I don't have no money to get in, man. You know, and I'm not, you know, I'm from the hood, so I don't have no yeah. money. So me, I take one of my boys with me. Couple, and I'm like, yo, let's, let's, let's go get in this concert. So my boy gets me down there. I know how to get in things. And, you know, by this time, I'm, I'm like 17, 16 years old. And I know how to maneuver around things. You know what I'm saying? Because my, my uncle, he was, he, my uncles was hustlers. So they knew how to get in things. You know what I'm saying? They knew how to do things. They weren't hustlers or dope or nothing like that. But they was just hustlers. They know how to move and shake. So I kind of learned that from them early. So I was able to get into the back door of Joe Lewis Arena, get my boy in, get into the concert. Yeah. We watching EPMD, Public Enemy, NWA, it's like the most fabulous thing that you would ever see. You know what I'm saying? And we rocking. Let me tell you about this concert because the concert will, will is always the craziest, the best concert I've ever seen because for the whole concert, we stood on our feet and we jumped and we threw our fists in the air like that for the whole. So can you imagine? Joe Lewis Arena in Detroit just rocking and people just throwing their hands and it. it was just really, it, it was exhilarating. So my iced tea was there too. So anyway, at the end of the concert, I, I needed to meet the rockers, the rappers, but I needed to meet Chuck Dito the most. But, you know, you had everybody back there. You had NWA. It was it was crazy. And Ice-T, mm -hmm. I remember calling them, I'm the biggest ice, I'm the biggest Ice-T fan. Yeah. But Ice-T was too gangster, you know what I'm saying, to be to be dealing with people. You know what I'm saying? I, I, I could just see his energy. Okay. And back then, bro, they had press conferences because, remember, hip-hop is early at this time. So there's yeah. not really, uh, there's media there. But for the, the, the hip-hoppers, after the shows, they go to the big media area, like a basketball game, as they do now. Yep. And all the media's there and they're interviewing because hip hop is so new. Hip hop is so fresh. So I remember getting into the, getting into back of that media area. Right. So I'm watching it. So after, after public enemy uh, uh, gets off the stage, for some reason I come around to the side, there's a rope. I see professor Griff. So I, Griff, I'm like, yo Griff, you know, I flag Griff down. Mm -hmm. Griff lets us back me, lets me back behind the yellow tape wherever the shit was taped off and he was going to get me some shirts and some hats and he was like yo go on up in there get you some shirts and some hats okay. so I'm like yo I'm going to go up there and get me some shirts and some hats for me my brother the hood right, right. Grip was like oh yo man what you doing man you right. can't you know he got real star with me too I was like no man I just <laughs> want to get it for my brother and everybody and everything right. so I end up I end up meeting Chuck you say you want to meet Chuck yeah so I end up meeting Chuck D it's the most amazing story. So I end up meeting Chuck D. We're in this the media area. Okay. And we're talking to Chuck. And Chuck, I guess, I don't know, Chuck feels my energy or something. I'm, 
I'm 17. I remember I have a, I'm, I'm out there with my boy Solo D. I okay. think we in his, in his blue Honda or a Hyundai or a Honda or something. This right. is like 87, 88. This is 87, 88. I don't okay. think it turned 80, 88 yet. Okay. Maybe. But the point that I'm saying is, so we, I'm talking to Chuck, right? I'm in a media area and I guess he's just feeling my energy. I'm a small little skinny kid. Right. And I'm just telling him, and then all of a sudden we talking, we're talking, we talking. And then Chuck says, you got a car? I said, do I got a car? I'm like, yeah, we got a car. Mm -hmm. He says, so you want to take me back to the hotel? <laughs> now, they've got the- they, How does that happen? They've got, this is crazy, man. I, I'm right. telling you. Right. They've got the limousine and everything parked outside. The tour van are parked out, and they're about to go to the Latin Quarters. The Latin Quarters Hotel is where they're staying on the boulevard in Detroit. Mm -hmm. But for some reason, Chuck D says, do you got a car? Right. <laughs> so I'm like, what the fuck is happening right here? So we like, yeah, we got a car. So he was like, all right, I'll ride with y'all back to the hotel. Mm. I'm like, what? Right. So at this time, you know, it's like, it's not like we got crispy demos to give him. We're working on a broke down four track that we're sneaking using me and my boy said rap from MF911. So mm. we're, we're working on a, a broke down four track where we're going cassette tape to cassette tape and overdub to overdub to record our songs. So our songs are really not, we sound terrible at this time. We're not hot at all. Right. Uh, but for some reason, okay, he, he adopts me. So, so the next day, let me tell you how I, how I always remember this because okay. let's look up the movie Die Hard. That's when the concert was. So the movie, whatever the movie Die Hard drops, mm -hmm. the concert was the day before. Yeah. The movies drop on Fridays. The concert was on a Thursday. So right. if Die Hard dropped in 88, or 87, the concert is the day before then. Right. The reason why I say Die Hard, brother, is because the day after, he tells me to pick him up. He want to hang out. He's like, what are y'all doing? I'm like, yo, whatever, come pick me up. He's got an aunt's house that he's <laughs> on the east side of Detroit. Right. That he says, I'm not going to follow the tour to the next city. I'm going to fly to the next city. Mm. I'm going to stay with my aunt in Detroit. I haven't seen her in a while. Okay. So you guys come pick me up the next day and we'll hang out. Okay. So I remember we going to the, we going to, uh, 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 taking the truck to Northland mall. Mm -hmm. And I'm seeing a lot of my high school friends there, you know, and a lot of my high school friends, they, they, they thought that I was a liar a lot mm -hmm. because I used to tell them, yo, man, I go, I go to all the basketball games. I know Isaiah Thomas. I know, yeah. So them niggas used to think that I'm lying about all my hip. Yeah, I do hip hop and shit. They like, nigga, you don't do no hip hop. Right. You know, they thought I was a because you know my uncle again. They was hustlers, so they was able to get me in to the practice to the piston shit, right? Okay. So I always did that shit. So when I was talking about hip hop, hip hop is so new. Niggas just just really think I'm front. So the point is, is they see me at the mall with Chuck D. Niggas is going crazy. The crowds right. is going crazy, and he's. <laughs> This is my cousin. 
right here. He's telling everybody I'm his cousin. So okay. after that, we go to the movie, takes us to the movie Die Hard. Me and my boy said we go to the movie Die Hard. Mm -hmm. uh, we drop him back off. We got his number. There's no cell phones. So we have his home number. Okay. We keep in touch. We're trying to develop our group. Yeah. He tells us, yo, man, we call Chuck. I'm like, yo, Chuck, we need the name of our group. And he was like, well, I got a song called uh, 911 is a joke coming out. Mm. So he says, why don't you name your group 911? And we were already motherfucking, we, 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 we were like, we were coming up with the names. So we come up with MF or uh, Megaforce standing, not for motherfucking, but it was standing for Megaforce because we were supposed to be the sons of ultramagnetic MCs. Mm, gotcha. That a we would go MF and then Chuck says 911. He gives us a lot of names for titles of songs and the conversations go on and on. But Chuck gets bigger and bigger, so he loses contact. Hmm. So around time around 80, 89, we fall deep into uh, uh, the understanding of ultramagnetic MCs. Okay. So even though rolling with Chuck, we are really f following the mode of the ultramagnetic MCs. If I'm too... Got other questions? Just let me know. I'll oh, stop. Just go, go. Do your thing, brother. We got time. Yeah, go. So, again, I come out of high school in '89, and I'm, you know, I'm a, I'm a college basket basketball is the only thing on my mind at this time besides music. Okay. So, '89, uh, I come out. I go to play ball. Dakota State. I'm, I'm rapping. I got my turntables in the dorm. My boy said is at home. He's working his little job. I'm in college. I end up playing up there for a season. I come home, uh, uh, 1991. Again, me and said we're doing music, but again, I'm away at college. So I, I'm doing how to fend for myself. Right. Doing my solo, looking at other producers, learning from other people. What I said is at the crib. Hmm. So anyway, I get a scholarship at Lansing Community College in 1991. Yeah. Uh, uh, I end up catching a case with a basketball player up there, Paris Hickman. Okay. So we end up catching a case or whatever. So I get on the run. So I just remember, man, I was so in love with music and I needed to be a part of music that when I was on the run, uh, I remember the college had the uh, student loan payments for you. You know, you don't have to, right. your advance. Your, uh, what do you call it? your refund check? Okay. So I remember on the run, and while I was on the run from the police, you know, trying to uh, get my life together, I was still doing this hip hop shit. So I just remember point in time that uh, I go back to the scene of the crime. <laughs> okay. I cash my refund check and I go to a music store there in Lansing, buy a whole bunch of, get on the bus and come back to Detroit. So my mind, see, I'm telling you to say all of this at this point, my mind is never leaving hip hop. No matter what I'm going through, if I'm in college and I'm playing college ball, it's hip hop. I'm on the run with the police, it's hip hop. So my mind is, my mind is staying forward. 
Mm. So all's well, ends well. I ended up taking a basketball scholarship in 1992 mm. uh, to this college in, uh, no, 1991, Concordia College and University in Ann Arbor. So did this. At this point in time, brother, my music is the only thing in my mind as well as playing this ball. Mm. So in 91, I'm like, we're calling it record, we're calling record companies at this point in time. This is where we really going hard, me and my boy Sid. But I'm doing, I'm the one that's calling. I understand how to move and how to talk and how to articulate things. Okay. So I'm 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 calling these labels. So my our, me and Sid's favorite group in 91 is Ultramagnetic MCs. Yeah. So at this point in 91, they have left next plateau records and they've mm-hmm. gone to Merc. Gotcha. I happened to call in 91. Uh, I want to say, when did I call? I called said G probably in July 90, probably August 1. I called up to Next Plateau Records. Next Plateau Records tells us, they like, yo, I'm like, I'm such and such a boss from Detroit. We want the ultramagnetic MCs to produce for our group. And they're like, well, said he doesn't, he's not at this label anymore but we'll give you his home phone number. You can call him for some. I'm like, the wow. find it? Think. So they give me his home number. So we call Sergi. I call Sergi up on the phone. And I get his mama answers, and then she puts him on the phone. And I'm better, and I'm stammering, and I'm trying to explain. Then I said, look, man, I'm probably your biggest fan in the world. Me and my group, we from Detroit. We, we un- understand everything about you and your music, and we want to be a part of it. We need you to help us get a deal. And we'll drive up to it. We don't even want to send you a tape. And he's like, no, 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 send me a tape first. And if mm-hmm. the tape is dope, then I'll have you drive up there and we can work. So he's like, man, you probably tell that to all the rappers. I remember specifically saying, no, he was like, no, no, I'm, a, I'm, I'm being honest with you. Mm-hmm. So we sent him the, the demo tape. The demo tape is when I when I think about it, we didn't have a hit or anything. It's not like we had a sing or song thing. So we send him the demo tape. He likes the demo tape. He calls us to come up to New York. We take sixty dollars. We put sixty dollars amongst the three of us in 1991. We take sixty dollars. We drive to New York. We get us a hotel. We go to Said G's house. When we get to Said G house, guess who answers the door? Tim Dog, fuck Compton. He answers the door at the time. <laughs> oh, wow. Imagine, it was a see Tim Dog. So Tim Dog answers the door. He helps, tells us in. He's like, yeah, man, he's talking to us. He's like, yeah, if you see y'all tape on the top of the file, y'all probably gonna get a deal. So I don't know if niggas shooting shit up our ass, but he, we see our tape on the top of the file. We end up recording some songs with Sedgy in 91. Mm. We come back to Detroit. I go to college. My boy said, goes where you got to go. 1992. Mm. I get a call and I haven't talked to Sedgy in about four months, playing college ball. I get a call. Sedgy is on the phone. He's like, I got y'all a deal. I'm like, what? (laughs) He said, you got two. He says, you got two options, John. Said G told us he's got two options. He says, Next Plateau wants to sign you right now. Mm. But Russell at Def Jam is interested in you. 
Like what? So, you know, I'm the I'm I'm the type of guy, I'm like a bird in the hand is worth more than a bush. Right. Type was, of cat. was Russell the Russell that we know today, or when you heard that Russell, name, you were just kind of like, who is that? No, Russell Simmons from Def Jam, he had already signed boss. Mm. Okay. Mm. He had already signed boss. I okay. Yeah, I remember that. So when Ed G brought him to us, he was interested in signing us. Mm-hmm. But that's a major. We didn't have a single already. Okay. And that was a chance. We might miss the opportunity with Next Plateau, who was ready to sign off on us tomorrow. Right. The only demos that we had that signed good, sounded good, was the two songs that we did with Said G in his studio when we visited him initially. You follow what I'm saying? Yep. So he's taking those four later. So I'm like, hold on, I don't want to take no chances. Shit, get get let, let, let me let me let me get the deal right now. Let me get the deal right now. Okay. So we go ahead and we get the deal. We are uh, we signed in 1992. Mm. But the person that we signed to is not Chuck D. Mm. It said the ultramagnetic D's. Okay. And he has great relationship with his old record label, Next Plateau. He doesn't sign us over to Mercury where they are. He signs us over to Next Plateau. Okay. So at this point, we, we've totally lost t- touch with Chuck at right. this point. He's super big at this point in time. Right. I don't even have his, but we're locked in. We're like, I'm locked in. Like if, if Dr. Dre is your favorite or DJ Premier is your favorite, Mm-hmm. I signed my favorite producer of all time at that point in time in my life, which was Said G. Gotcha. And I just knew that it was a no-lose situation. So that is how I got into hip-hop, and that is how I knew till I got to the point where I had my deal. Wow. 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 It just seemed like it almost seemed like it was just predestined because you're running into, you know what I'm saying, Tim Dog at the door. It's like, how does that happen? That is crazy. That is it, crazy. It is, it is, and it's like my career has just been a, a bunch of predestined situations. You know what I'm saying? You know, from 1993, we we recorded the, the record label. They signed us in 92. Mm-hmm. They wanted that out in the summer of 92, right? So we, summer of 92, we end up going to New York, recording the album with Said G. When we get there to New York, the craziest thing is going on. So, you know, Said G is the beats. He's produced Criminal Minded. He's produced Critical Beatdown. Mm-hmm. He's produced Tim Dogs for Compton. He's, he's produced some of the greatest artists at this time. Mm-hmm. And so when we get the budget, we get our money, and then said G gets the budget, but he don't bring us up to New York. It's like we sitting in Detroit waiting. It's like niggas got the money, mm-hmm. and you know it's like, okay, what's going on? What's the next move? So we had to like, yeah, what's the next move? So we had to forcefully call the label because mm-hmm. said G was a production company. Okay, so we signed to the label and we signed to said G. 
Okay. So we call the label. We like, yo, we send us a ticket so we can come to New York to record. Mm-hmm. So we just kind of forcefully bolo our way to New York because said he really wasn't ready for us. Okay. So when we get to New York to record the album in the summer of 1992, mm-hmm. we, we're living in the Bronx Grand Concourse with the G. And uh, with the first recording session, he says to us, all right, so let me hear your beats. We like, huh? <laughs> let uh, let you hear our beats, right? We like, we didn't bring no beats. You know, we doing SR ten, but we not not no producers. We we were we we searched you out, came to your house, right? Had you give us a, get us a deal, hmm. in all of our dreams, some niggas wanted premiere. Some niggas wanted KRS-One, we wanted you. Right. You understand what I'm saying? So it was like, hold on, hold on, hold on. What's going on here? Hmm. So he's giving us these beats. Oh, my God. I love Sad G, but they're the wackiest beats in the world. Oh, shit. Well, let me say this. We wanted 1988 beats. Okay. And it was 1992. Do you understand mm. what I'm saying? Okay. So different. So era. we was locked in. Different air times has changed. This is not fucking critical beat down. Right. So we trying to get 88 type beats from G, and he's explaining to us, no beats don't go like that. They go boom 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 bap, boom 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 bap. Okay. He's telling me they go boom bap. That's okay. how I become the boom bap king, and how boom bap ends up controlling my whole life. Gotcha. But it goes back to, I'm wanting, I'm wanting the 88. I want them type of beats. Yeah. And he's going, no, and they going boom, boom, boom. So anyway, we end up recording the album. End of, end of uh, summer, because I got to be back to college in September. Okay. August, I come home. We mix the album at Rough House Records, Philadelphia. Bring the album back home for R.J. Rice. R.J. Rice at this time has Jay, D- Jay Dilla, who is now known as J.D. Okay. And he has these various um, obscure Detroit hip hop that be- end up becoming stars. Okay. So I remember we were going to do remixes at his studio. We play our album for them. They laugh at us. I, I heard they didn't laugh at us, but the word got back is, uh, from one of the producers there, I day Maynard that, yeah, the niggas, everybody laughed at your album. They said, that shit sound like somebody was beating on a damn piano. Mm. So that kind of knocks our confidence down. So we end up re-recording the album. Okay. We asked the label to give us some more money so we could record it in Detroit. So we get Jay Diller to help us. Mm. We're like, the, I always try to take credit for uh, using Jay Diller because Jay Diller, he actually produced on the MF911 album. Hmm. But we couldn't, we couldn't, we couldn't use all of the stuff that we were doing with him because it was just the the record company wanted all of the publishing. Yeah. R.J. Rock was a seasoned uh, music producer and vet, was not giving up the publishing. Mm-hmm. So it was like for a whole year we went through the rigmarole. Finally, the album coming out in 1993, in October 9th, 1993. Mm-hmm. Now I've loved those. The album comes out the same day as Salt and Pepper releases uh, the Shoot album. They're okay. they're our label. 
You're on next platform. So MF11 releases, salt and pepper releases. The record label tell us, oh, you don't worry about you guys releasing on the same day because uh you'll get you there are two different types of hip hop, da 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 da. da. Mm-hmm. Well, I I think at that point, you know what I'm saying, we the label puts it out. They don't put a lot of energy into the progress into the project. So, you know, it's just pretty much uh ends up being what they call a tax write-off or whatnot. You know what I'm saying? So that's how that's how that ended up going right there. Wow. 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 Yeah. That's bananas. That's bananas. So, okay. Let's talk about that group. Okay. Uh MF911. Uh who were the the other? Because that wasn't it three of y'all? It's three no. of us, yeah. You got okay. you got Sad Rat. Yeah. And Manny. Both of them are actually brothers. And uh, they're my partners in the music. So Sad Rat, uh, we actually we've been knowing each other since 1981. So, yeah. and I, I, probably 10, 11 years old. So at no, we were I don't I wasn't even 11 yet. So I've been knowing each other since we were 10 years old. Uh, his brother, who was like four year young, four years younger than us, was like our understudy, and he came up. So, yeah, we we ended up we me and said we're doing music together. We were doing all kinds of music. So we were before the hip hop, we were doing playing in uh, bands and uh, playing for the neighborhoods. We would had a couple other cousins of his. And we would put a band together and we would just play songs in the neighborhood. It, you know, the funny thing is, Sid's uncle was Levi Stubbs of the Four, or the four Tops, who was okay. the lead singer. So Sid comes from a musically talented family. So uh, I didn't have the talent that they had, but I was able to cultivate. I was just more hungry. And I was like the, I was like the guy in the band who had the drive I was like the Teddy Riley of that shit. You understand what I'm saying in the sense where, you know, I, I, I was just being able to manage and make things happen for us. But they were the, the other guy said was the real drummer and we had his cousin who played the bass. And we just did this along until we formulated the MF911. So once we got to the, to the hip hop and locked into the hip hop, because again, I had to kind of bring him in it because I lived in a different part of the city. So when he went around me, I was doing my own thing. Okay. So it was it was always like, yo, okay, man, come on and do this. And I mean, I mean, I mean, the guy was doper than me. I mean, I think he said it was in the was a way better MC than me, and just his voice was dope, and uh, the the beats were dope. But it was me with my drive that was always able to take us to the next level or or where we needed to go, and uh, that's how formulated the group and you know like I said when we uh everything that I did with the group I always uh brought my guys so with me you know when I got the deal with said I was the one who was talking to said G on the phone and you know I could have maybe shaped the deal up to where it was I was a solo artist and then I brought my group in but I was like everything that I did I always did for the group and I always brought the other guys in because my drive and my motor was was always running. It was always I had a plan or I had an idea, and it kind of kind of brought the, the other guys in and got us to where we needed. And I got, I got us to where we needed to go, man. At that point in time, you know what I'm saying. Wow. And that's just been my my mentality up until this point. It's just my drive 
derives from all the way back then, uh, going to, to games and, and getting in, speaking in concerts and being able to talk to the people, to the, to the bosses of, uh, in, in, in the program to, to be able to see who I need to see, rather it be Chuck D or Ice-T or Griff or, or said, gee, knowing how to talk to people when I call them up on the phone and record company execs and being able to do my thing because we had no, we had no manager as a group back then. We had no manager, no publicist. Right. Me on the phone that was doing all the talking and, and extending the budgets and telling them what we don't like and what's happening and what's, and what's going on. So, you know, maybe that kind of hurt us and helped us at the same time because, you know, record companies, they don't respect the artist and then the artist playing manager. Usually you got to have a buffer. Yeah. And right everything. Wow. Yeah. But right. they had to do get the deal and for us to keep going, if you follow what I'm saying. Wow, 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 wow. That's bananas, yeah. that's bananas. So, okay, you got signed, major label, your group. What happened to where some time later, you become this radio personality? Well, okay, dope. So, Dig, after we lost the deal, after we, after the deal was up, after the album was up, uh, we sat around. Let me just fix this real quick. Yeah, you cool. Uh, okay. I just want to uh, make sure this charger doesn't go bad on. Excuse me. Yeah. All right. You so, good. So after after the deal was after the deal was done, pretty much. Now was this a one uh, album I deal? It was, it was, it was for, it was like for four years. Okay. It was like for four years. And we ended up just doing uh, the one album. The energy wasn't good. Said G wasn't really interested in us. At that time, they came out with their album, yeah. Funk Your Head Up. So everything that Said G was doing was based about, based around Ultramagnetic. The uh, label didn't put us on a promo tour. A lot of that was because I was playing college basketball at the time. And on mm -hmm. top of playing college basketball, I had got married and had a baby. So I was, it was crazy, man. While I had my record deal in 1992, mm -hmm. I had a baby on the way. I was living with my girl in her dorm so I could save money and not live in my dorm uh, and, and, and pocket the, uh, the money for, for, from, from my scholarship. It was crazy. So it was like I was doing a lot of I was doing a lot of I had just got off a trial where I was acquitted on 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 three on three federal counts of so drugs was, where I was actually acquitted. Okay. You know what I'm saying? They, I actually had to go to trial. And at this point, back then in 92, they had a 95 percent conviction rate in federal court. But I was so green and didn't know that kind of stuff. I, I actually I went through a whole trial and everything and uh I was acquitted. So immediately after I got acquitted, I ended up getting a deal. Okay. Moving in with my girl, having another baby, having a baby. It was, it was, it was, it was crazy, man. I was doing a lot of things. So I, I could not uh as an artist do everything that I needed to do uh to to take full advantage of my record deal. Gotcha. I wasn't staying in New York. You understand? I wasn't on the phone talking to the label and telling them, Lil, you, we need to be on this promo tour. 
I wasn't giving it the energy that I needed to give it because in April 9th, when the album came out, hell, college season was about to start for three and three weeks later. So I wasn't thinking about my album that is out around the world. Right. I'm thinking about college basketball right now, bro. You know what I'm saying? I'm I'm serious ball player. So, you know, you know, that's my that was that was just as important to me as hip hop. Okay. So it was a lot of things going on, but you know, I, I was just, I'm just thankful for the opportunity. So after the deal, I get into radio. The way I got into radio is just like, uh, okay, the, the radio personalities, the program director at FM 98 WJLB knew about us because okay. we had just had the album out. Gotcha. And he knew about me and live or whatever. So I know one thing, I, I was working with this artist named Trey Black. He was mm -hmm. from New York, and he was the radio personality at FM 98 WJLB at the time. Mm -hmm. At this time, it's 1994. So I started doing promos for him. Mm -hmm. Little, I'm the first one in Detroit to start doing rap promos. Okay. So when they're, because radio in Detroit, they weren't playing no hip hop. That wasn't that wasn't a format. It was R and B yep. and hip hop. You yep. know what I'm saying? So I start doing radio drops and radio promos. Trey Black is on your so anyway. At this point in time, the program director, whose name is Steve Hagwood, mm -hmm. he ends up uh, like, "Yo, who is that guy doing that?" Like, "Yo, ain't live." So they bring us in for a radio interview. My group. That's how it started. They, Steve Hegwood brings us in for a radio interview when my album is out, MF911. Gotcha. I was talking so good on the radio. He's like, man, the radio personality is Detroit Black. was like, man, you need to be in radio. Okay. I'm like, dog, for real? He's like, yeah, man, you need to be in radio the way you're talking and the way you... I'm like, oh, okay, cool. Mm -hmm. So anyway, I get, a, I get an interview. He's like, man, I want you to come in. I want you to be... Uh, I'm, we're bringing in this guy named Bushman. I want you to be his co-host. This is when Bushman, before Bushman gets here in Detroit. He's like, I want you to be his co-host mm -hmm. and I'm gonna give you your own show on the weekend. Mm -hmm. I'm like, what? He's like, yeah. Wow. So that I was done playing college ball. That 94 was my last season. So immediately after the season, I started working with WJLB. Okay. So time goes for a minute. And the program director, Steve Hegwood, goes to Atlanta. Hmm. He goes to Atlanta. Okay. You know what I'm saying? I'm on a, I'm on a Zoom interview. He, go, he goes to Atlanta, and I'm left at the station with, uh, with the new program director, Michael Saunders. Okay. He don't see the same vision for me as Steve Hegwood. Right. So at this time, I've, I've got a new baby. Hmm. I'm I'm about to graduate from college. Right. And, you know, I'm like, you know, they paying me a little bit over minimum wage. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? You know, on some real shit, though. Right. But I'm, I take that, I mean, people around the city, they think I'm making $1,000 million because I'm all over the radio doing Anthony Singleton's on your dot. Right. I'm just, I, I'm, I got a studio at the time. So I'm like, yo, I'm just I'm just parlaying this shit to make money in the studio doing beats for niggas. So this is like 95 or whatever. Okay. So I'm 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 doing this. So I, I finally let that go. 
I get into education. So once I get into education, now I'm full flown, I'm full blown into my studio and producing beats for cats. Okay. Remember back then in the in the 90s, the only way you could put your music out is, is you had to be on a record label. Okay. And if you had an independent label, you had to be on somebody's network. But you wasn't getting no, you, you know, it's not like like it is now where I was making albums back in the 90s, but a lot of people weren't hearing them. You follow what I'm saying? Right. So I, you know, I end up linking up with Chuck late 90s again. Okay. I start doing my thing with him. Along while me and my group, we're on and off. I'm doing a lot of solo stuff. Uh, I'm doing a lot of tracks for cats. I got cats like Eminem re come record in my studio. Really? Uh, I'm, I'm, I'm doing so many different things, working with so many cats that the only thing at this point is me doing production and making money. So I, I left, the, I ended up leaving the radio station. I, I ended up, you know, uh, leaving them and resigning from that shit, man. It was crazy because people thought I was crazy when I resigned. Okay. It was like, you resigned from the radio? I'm like, yeah, they, I, that was taking up my time. They weren't paying me enough money. I, I did like, I, I, I did miss, and I, you know, when I left it, the fame that you get with it. Right. You know what I'm saying? It was, you know, even though he was making two dollars, fame was great in the city with it because it, it helped my other uh, endeavors. You know what right. I'm saying? But, you know, I had to leave that because it, it just wasn't for me. So that's where I make my transition from 93 with the group after we get the deal. Mm -hmm. Label lets us go after a year and a half. I jump into radio. Okay. I'm out of radio. Now I'm doing my, my recording studio, producing beats, doing albums, and you know, working with the best. Wow. 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 Man, man. Okay, so let's take it up. All right, let's let's go to the time where you're in Detroit. You're done with the radio thing, but you producing, you're doing more producing than you are rapping. If I'm yeah. getting that, if I'm getting that right. Okay, so eventually you had to make a decision on Detroit and Houston. How did that come about? Well, if I go back, if I go back to the 90s, let me just say this. And this is very, this, this is this is very important. Okay. I got signed to my deal in 1992. Gotcha. My album came out in 1993. Yep. There was still no hip hop community in Detroit. Right. You understand what I'm saying? So by the time my album is released and I'm on radio, 95, then the hip hop shop comes open. Mm. You follow me? Gotcha. I'm not... I already had a record deal. I've already been on the grind as a professional. So my mind state is not, at the time, it's not, yo, nigga, you should be in the hip hop shop, rubbing mm -hmm. elbows, freestyling. Oh, okay, gotcha. you know, yeah. Rubbing yeah. who is who. Been, I'm yeah. like, man, I'm past that shit. I already had a deal. I'm in the studio right now, producing, making money, right. and getting these beats off and everything while Everybody else is making their bones. I, I already had a deal. So it was just my mind state was back then. It was like, yo, I'm, 
I'm beyond this. You know, it's like, you know, I was on some on some uh, Slick Rick shit, peasants. Right, right, right. I don't have right, time right, right. for this peasantry. I'm trying to get a right. deal with some shit. You don't understand? But right, right, right. I look back at that time and I'm like, damn, what the fuck was I doing? What was I thinking? Well, you, nigga, you was in the studio making money. Right. So I was, I was doing, you know what I'm saying? So yeah. it was, I, I, I missed those times. So when you got your Guilty Simpsons and your M&Ms yeah. and your proofs, and all that. I don't know who the hell these guys are because again right. we don't have social network. Right. There is no local video show that highlights these guys right. from the city. Yes. You follow what I'm saying? Right. So I want to say, you know, from the time I left the radio, '96 to you know 2000. Uh, 2000, when does Eminem get signed? 96 to maybe yeah, 2001? Somewhere. Yeah, somewhere up in there. The city and the local rappers that I wasn't specifically pat producing, right? I missed out on that shit. Okay. Yeah. I missed out on those cats. Right. I didn't catch them cats till later on in the 2000s after they had made their name. And but who, I never caught the grind who, of the Guilties or the M&Ms or any of those cats because I was in the studio making money. Right. And so it knew? was like, the, who knew? Who, who knew, knew if Aaron was going to do what he, I mean, no one knew. <laughs> bro, I got ADAT tap. I got, I had ADAT tapes in my studio okay. that said M&M. Wow. I owned the studio with my youngest brother. Well, not my youngest brother, but my brother, Brian. So we were about that money. I was, like I said, I was already an, an educator. Mm -hmm. And then the studio was the second form of, of money. So he was younger than me. So he, he was really in the studio doing the regular studio sessions. Okay. I would come to the studio to do, if I had to produce the beats for somebody or I was doing my shit. You follow what I'm saying? Gotcha. So we had tapes from, we had proof, we had, Eminem, we had different cats down there because I was downtown, city of Detroit, I was downtown. My studio was right in the heart of the city. Mm -hmm. But I was getting so much money that I just wasn't, I wasn't, uh, I wasn't looking for the long range at that time. Okay. Everything that I was doing was short range. Give me the money now. Right. Fuck that relationship. Yep. Uh, I ain't got time for that shit. If it ain't, and, you know, even to this day, I feel like, damn, man, I, I, I messed up in some ways because uh, a lot of relationships I didn't get to foster or build because yeah. I was all about, you know, the bread at that time from that 96 yeah. to that 2004. Right. You know what right. I'm saying? So it was it was it was some times I missed so. I wasn't doing a lot of shows okay. where cats was performing at this spot, that, that, that spot. So I was at that point, me and my wife, we started having more babies and shit. So I was really tucked in the studio mm -hmm. and everything. So as I make the transition, 2007, uh, up until that point, I've done like three albums locally for the city. You know what I'm saying? Underground shits. So 2007, 
me and my wife, my wife, you know, I try to make we make the move to Texas. Okay. So before I before I before we moved to Texas, you know, I had relationships with Ghostface and 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 Jizza and them and them cats, and I you know I okay. build with them and I logged in the studio time with them, and every time they come here, you so know. You actually- uh, you actually had better relationships with cats from New York than you did from Detroit. Yeah, 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 I did because I wasn't thinking about there were no record companies in Detroit. Right. You know what I'm saying? So what could a cat in Detroit do for me to get me out to help me, you know, further my career? Again, everything from 96 to like that, even to that 2004, 2005, I was only thinking about New York City. Mm-hmm. I wasn't even thinking about LA. That was too far left coast. Gotcha. Every all the record companies, everything that that was that was good for me was New York. So I I had all kinds of relationship with with Dino Diavaglia over at, at uh what was he at? Uh, where was Dino at? Uh, he was an A and R over there, uh, uh, Atlantic. Okay. So it was like I had so many situations. I I, I had dealt with Ghost and them in two thousand one and. Was in the mm-hmm. studio with RZA and Mathematics doing tracks, so it was. Right. I had. I, who was the biggest? Proof? I, I messed with. I did proof with the biggest local cat, cat that I messed with, and he. I did a couple beats for him. This is just okay. before he passed away, uh, okay. maybe a year before he passed away. Right. Uh, I did projects with him, maybe a couple years before he passed away, but I had did some stuff with him, so it was like. I wasn't even thinking about Detroit. That's why I didn't know anybody. Dilla to me was competition for me, bro. Gotcha. You understand what I'm saying? He didn't know it. I'm right. Sure. Right. Right. But he was competition for me. Yeah. So I wasn't no, I wasn't no Dilla follower, like like a lot of guys were. I knew he was probably the dopest nigga on the planet. Yeah. But I'm ant live. Exactly. So. I got my own click over here. You're, yep. But I, I did understand how dope he was because he produced on MF911 and right. you know, we just didn't be able to utilize him properly, but he was just always secret competition for me. Okay. And maybe I wasn't no competition for him. I know that I wasn't, he's the king of the beats, mm-hmm. but that I, I was just always a leader. Okay. So if you weren't inviting me into my your circle, and embracing me, which nine times out of 10, I always had my own equipment. I always had my own connect. I had my own everything. So I never needed to be in anybody's circle. Exactly. Again, that's another thing that helps me to miss out on all of the other Detroit hip hop shit that was going on. Cause mm. I had my own shit. Right. You understand right. what I'm saying? I had, I had everything. So I missed out on, on that as well. But as we get, Again to 2007, uh, we we transitioned out here to Texas, mm-hmm. and uh, I had given Ghostface some tracks maybe a year prior. Okay, and I had just gave him a bunch of tracks, okay. and uh, you know I really when I went when I was going to internet, you know it was the internet. You know you might go onto a hip hop site or seeing it the internet wasn't like it was but at that point 2007 i think we get myspace okay myspace yep. comes i think in 2006 yep. so i'm on myspace pretty heavy okay. i go to visit uh before we moved to texas 
in 2007, I want to say August of 2007, okay. at the DTE Amphitheater okay. in, in Michigan, the hip hop, Wu-Tang, Nas, mm. Mob Deep, mm. everybody comes to this, to do the DTE Amphitheater out there. Okay. So I go out there, you know, at this time I see Ghost, I'm like, yo, what up Ghost? And I got my camera and he was like, yo, Ant Live, Ant Live. Yep. I want to use one of your beats. Okay. And I'm like, but I'm so gone, right? I'm not listening. You know what I'm saying? At this point, I'm not listening to what goes. I'm just happy to see him. Okay. So he's correcting me. Nah, nah, nah. I want to use one of your beats. Okay. I'm thinking he, I'm thinking he's talking about my son because I'm telling him, yo, ghost, you know, my son is making beats. Okay. And he's like, yeah, I want to use one of your beats. So I'm thinking he's talking about my, my mind is gone. I don't know what the fuck is going on. So I, I'm recording this on video, right? <laughs> so anyway, we get ready to move to, to Houston in uh, September. Mm -hmm. uh, we get here in September. I get a, a hit on my on MySpace mm -hmm. from Ghost Manager. Ghost want to use he, he want to use one of your beats. Okay. Like what beats? Be called Yolanda's house or Ghostface. Raekwon and Method Man on it. Mm. And that ended up being on the Big Doe Rehab, Yolanda's house. Wow. Yeah, so you check your credits. That's 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 probably my biggest hit. Uh is Yolanda's house. I've had the opportunity to produce for a lot of cats and do yeah. remixes. Well, Yolanda's house is my biggest hit, man. You know what I'm saying? So yeah, so and that's all through MySpace. Mm. So, you know, the transition coming to Houston from Detroit, energy-wise, it was just, it was better. Uh, I had done so many things in Detroit and tried to put, but Detroit, like I said, you know, I love Detroit, right? Mm -hmm. It's home, I'm from the hood. But working with the artists in Detroit is a very hard thing because, you know, we all know that hip hop is, it's a street music. Right. So you don't really have to have theory Mm -hmm. And you don't have to have studies or anything. You just got to be able to articulate yourself, put your words and your thoughts together. So when you kind of mix that with the street element and guys that's really trying to make it, you get a, a kind of different type of energy sometimes. And I, I think by me having a studio and having a drive in a, in a direction, mm -hmm. you know, I would get guys and I would work with guys in different positions help guys to become producers, put groups together. Right. But my, my motivation and drive always found me being the odd man out. Or it was always such a hard thing to complete or to follow through or mm -hmm. to even work with a project in Detroit because, you know, the Detroit mentality is a different mentality. You know, it's just like, it's real, it's real clickish mm -hmm. and you know, sometimes it can be hard to work with people, man. So right. I just feel like, even though I love Detroit, and like I love all the artists, they all, like all my favorite rappers come from Detroit pretty much. Right. It's just always been a hard place for me to work with lots of people. Maybe that's because I'm in particular, I'm particular with the way I do music. 
Mm-hmm. But just a communicate from the communication standpoint, yeah, you know, niggas from Detroit feel entitled as yeah. musicians. You know, our, our hip hop artists for some reason it's like, yeah, it's either entitled or they they in their own cliques. Yeah, and yeah. not yeah. you know where it should be like if, uh, if me and you working together, mm-hmm. that's just me and you working together. It's nothing against the other people that we worked with. Right. We just working on a project. So, you know, we don't, you know what I'm saying? So, you know, if you, if it's real clickish type of thing. So I just found my success, you know, when you asked me the question, you know, as I made my transition to Houston, I just found my success here where I was able to branch out. The internet came. The right. internet was able to learn, oh, YouTube really helped me out in 2007. Okay. Because oh, I was just doing little underground uh, beats in my studio. I was doing my beats and right. cats like, are you Ant Live from MF911? Cats from all walks of life right. that I never even knew I had a fucking fan from. Right. But when I was like, yo, I'm MF911, and it was like on YouTube. And I was like, yo, I was just blowing up on YouTube, especially in the first two, three years. I mean, I, I was just doing little trash videos that with my camcorder not having no understanding of filming and everything and right. the shit's working and people was like, yo, yo, so that I was able to get a resurgence in my music, understanding okay. how, how to use the, the internet. So the transition from working with Ghostface on that Yolanda's house right. to uh, becoming stationed here and being able to work with Scarface and different things. It was just really, it did wonders for me in 2007. And just right. understand that every little video that I threw up on Facebook, right. man, they loving that shit. So I was able to parlay in that right. into what I was trying to do here. But I, I don't want to be too long-winded before you ask me, so I, I let me no. hear it. Do you think, brother, I, I let Cass go because we getting the story. I mean, you saying stuff that just, for you to say, you're talking about M, you're talking about Proof, you're talking about 8 Mile, you're talking about they done did movies and all this. And true enough, when they talk about that, it, you know, for us who know, we kind of, I know I'm going to hear Ant Live in there somewhere and it doesn't happen. And it's kind of yeah. like, okay, I might be the first one to get the story to where, okay, yeah. this is the reason why. Everybody yeah. was clickish. M wasn't the M that we know today. So yeah, you ain't, you know, you ain't, you're not gonna go following behind him. If he blowing up your phone, then okay, we'll we'll get it on. So no, yeah. I, I feel you with that, bro. Yeah, man, that's that's kind of crazy, man. That you know, it's never been asked that way for me, but in in the way I was able to articulate it to you, it was just like, yeah. So it's like from that 96 to I was just in my own zone. So <laughs> like I said. The, the, the greatest thing was that is I was able to harness my skills and I was able to work with a lot of the greats yeah. from UTFO, Kango Kid. I was mm. I was doing so many remixes for uh, different little labels and being able to at least, if the remixes weren't used, okay. I was still getting a little budget for them. You know what I'm saying? I get a couple okay. thousand for this little remix, 5,000 for this remix. Right. So it, it kind of kept me professional. I was yeah. putting together Groups. Uh, I, at this point in time, I, there was like few groups that I had put together. I put the gr- together this group called the Foundation, uh, and then I, at this point in time, also I was working with my artist Rock Z. So he's a cat that I had met in '96, and okay. uh, he, he 
probably the dopest MC I ever heard. He's my favorite rapper, okay. uh, my favorite MC, uh, especially out of Detroit. Um, he had always been down with me. So he's like, he's like the fourth uh, member or fifth member of uh, MF911 because he came around, he's done many songs with us and his music is, in the, and he's just been a down cat with me musically, not just being down, but just being dope okay. as well as down. So, you know, I, I've been able to continue producing, but really my, like I said, like when, when, we, when I was able to transition into the, uh, the internet age, 2007 YouTube. And I was, again, I explained to you what my videos did. Uh, I had reaching out to me from all over. So it was this cat named out of England at this point in time. So I'm, I'm doing these albums, we putting them out. So I had a cat out of England reach out to me. And uh, even before he did, like, I want to say in like 2012, I came back to Detroit and me and my was going to put out our album on MF911. So it was our reunion. Okay. It was the union, uh, I think 20 year reunion of MF911. So I, I promoted my first show at the uh, St. Andrews. Okay. So we had Guilty Simpson, Bronze Nazareth, and we had Dre. We had the who's who of hip hop come out right. uh, for the return of MF911 in 2012. Mm -hmm. So at this 2012, I'm going from the studio and, pro and producer to understanding how to put together shows and how to reach out to people and communicate so that I could kind of uh, further what I was trying to do. This is mm -hmm. 20. So after 2012, oh man, I, it was off to the races. I got together with a guy in England. Uh, his mm -hmm. name is Ro Blunt. And we, uh, we put together this group called the Rock and Rollers. He had, he had sending me beats. Mm -hmm. And then rapping to one of his beats. And I was like, man, we should just do a group. To call this the Rock and Rollers, my favorite mo movie. I had an infinity. And again, because my mother was a part, she was a fan of the Beatles. And the yeah. Beatles are England. So I had affinity. So me and him get together. Uh, I go out there in 2013. He, he brings me out there in 2013. Mm -hmm. We do a couple shows. Uh, I end up doing an album with my cousin, X the Detective and uh cocaine niggas album and i was able to do that i started doing more stuff for the woo and and, and then I, I link up with mob deep uh rapping noise and so it was just like you know the 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 music and everything that i missed out in 96 we'll just say even from 92 when i signed my record deal because we didn't do any tours, did a few shows, but we didn't do any tours. So 92, my rec album comes out in 93, no shows. I go to radio in 95. Uh, I'm in radio for, from 94 to 96. Uh, then from 96 to 2004, I'm, I'm, I'm like a hermit in the studio working yep. to the point where I missed out on a lot of components and parts of hip hop. Gotcha. But the dopest thing is, I'm smarter now. As you get older, you get wiser. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? The body don't, but you get smarter. So yeah. the rhyme, articulation on how you put these songs together and the production skills, they don't leave. So I don't ever, as a producer, you know, I kind of locked into just doing my thing. I said, I just wanted to you know, I've always prided myself in being able to do this kind of hip hop, that kind of hip hop. 
But when I locked into what I was good at and what I love to do, mm-hmm. was strictly rap is all I've ever wanted to do. Wow. Wow. That, and I was able to mold and frame myself. Okay, well, I became a fan of Doom. So I needed an arts. I needed something to inspire me. I felt, damn, I'm getting older. So I need something. So I came up with my 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 uh, arch my arch villain, mm-hmm. my Elias Skeletor. Yeah, yeah. So, so Skeletor again inspired by Doom. He was able to hide my face. He was. I was able to be somebody else. Right. So when I Skeletor came out with that, niggas was like, oh, okay, what's this? So mm-hmm. I'm able to take these 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 different ideals mm-hmm. and able to to be able to articulate and put it together because I'm smart, I'm wiser. I know I'm watching now. I'm seeing how cats move. You know, my circle and my team has stayed the same. But now in 2013, I'm traveling now. I'm touring. Uh, 2014, I'm touring. Now I'm touring. I'm understanding shit. I know how to put these shows together. So in 2015, I know a guy from your home city was bronze. I had, I had I definitely been a supporter of Bronze Nazareth mm-hmm. and his music. And uh, I just remember in 2000, I had put him on the show in 2012. Mm-hmm. And uh, uh, the, just, just dealing with different cats from back home, it was just, it was just, you know, just, you know, cats see what you're doing and then it becomes dramatic and if you don't do enough it's an issue so anyway yeah. I ended up looking back with Bronze Nazareth in 2015 so okay. I was on my way back to England and to Europe to do some shows right. and at this point in time my partner Roll Blunts didn't have a lot of shows he only had like a show or two hooked up yeah. so I said and I know how show. why don't we get Bronze Nazareth Mm-hmm. from the Wu, mm-hmm. since he carries the Wu-Tang flag. Right. If we put him on the shows, now we're able to promote the Wu-Tang flag and we might be able to get more shows. Okay. So, you know, this is on YouTube as we, we if you go back and look at Ant Live and Bronze Nazareth, you'll see how this thing comes together because okay. we kind of support it as we're talking about it. Wow. So we, I get, I say, okay, so get Bronze Nazareth. So I get uh, I get Bronze Nazareth and uh, I put him on the show. So he comes over to England, able to get more shows. Mm-hmm. And uh, so two shows turn out to end up being like 10 different shows. Mm. So at this point in time, I'm learning how to, you know, like I, I know if you do this, you do this, or we can get this. Now I'm understanding how to connect the dots myself and put right. these toys. Right. So in, in long story short, you know, uh, after that 2015 short show, my, you know, my partner ended up clicking up with Bronze Nazareth. I guess he figured like, yo, I'd rather be with the guy who's affiliated with Wu-Tang mm-hmm. than the guy than Ant Live. You know what I'm saying? So mm-hmm. gotcha. like, it was like gotcha. my man, he didn't, he, Bronze, he didn't have no, I guess, no respect for me because he let me, he rolled with my man mm-hmm. and they started doing their own thing. Mm-hmm. But I was already, I, at this point in time, bro, it's like, uh, 
I work with Chuck D. So so right, right. so before I even came back home, right. Chuck was man, we about to start touring. Right. So I'm in England. So it was just it was I was blessed, you know what I'm saying? Because this was like one of the as as we go and as I put myself out here, I'm more susceptible to different energies and different situations. Rather I put myself in them or I don't, I'm I'm susceptible to them because I'm the man, I'm the front man. So if I as I tell you, as we go back to the story, even with MF911, I've always been the front man. So I'm I'm the one that's taking the shots. Uh well, I'm the one that's taking the heat. If there's a conflict, niggas is coming for me. If the if the blah 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 blah. So, you know, you know, my man's Brian Nazareth investment was six hundred dollars, mm. and for that six hundred dollars, he was able to tour England and build with other people. Right. But I was definitely disappointed when I came back, and we weren't able to continue building right. together. Right. But you know what this shows for? I'm telling my story. But I still have respect for these cats and their music. But the blessing, brother, is when I got back in 2015, August, mm -hmm. Chuck D was for me. Mm -hmm. So then from 2015, you know, I had just we put out the group album, MF, another MF911 album. And I kind of I'm, I'm continually doing these solo albums and these co these collaboration albums with various artists from Rockwell to Rock Z to uh, Nadira X, to all of these fabulous dope hip hop artists. And one of my uh, distributors and, and labels is Slam Jams, Chuck D's label, Spit Digital. Right. So from, and from me being his artist and some, from somebody he's been rocking with from 17 years, I, I've been able to travel the world right. in my old age yeah. as a seat. And right. that's the is freaking thing is like yo man god bless me because that was i was disappointed when i when i did this show over in england in 2015 i brought bronze uh the guy ro blunt you know he tried to get me blackballed really <laughs> he was like yo, like a it was like a black ball it was they was after me man in this in a, in a bad way so i was i was feeling like damn man I connected all of these guys and you you're gonna do you like but that. The, like I said, you know, blessings come in disguise. The blessings come in disguise because as soon as I came back in 2015 and in the drama, two weeks later, Chuck was like, all right, man, we about to go hit San Antonio. And if you look at my YouTube, you'll see me on a million shows, a million tours. Right. And I've been blessed by God and public enemy by Chuck D to to be able to to put me on the bigger stage than what I am. And from being on the big stage with Chuck, yeah. I've been able to parlay the little stage. So right. every city and every country I went to, I was always meeting the club owners from that city or that country and able to hook up uh, relationships so that I could do my own tours. And I've been able to do that and to uh, continue my music. But you know, that's 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 hip hop, man. This is this. So this is how I've been able to to really take off in in, in this century. Right. So you talk about forty years of hip hop. You talk if I go back all the way to 1981, 80, mm -hmm. 90, 2000, 2000, 
Wow. And I was in 2020. Wow. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? This is this is a lot of this equipment I've had. I've had some of this majority out of this shit since the 90s. Right. You understand? And so, you know, I'm just, I'm just, I'm just blessed to be able to people. And I'm not the best, I'm not the, I'm not the easiest person to, to work with because I'm, I'm a go-getter. Gotcha. I'm not going to stand and I'm not, a, I'm not, I'm not going to wait. Yeah. Like, you know, people and a lot of things that they've done, they'd be like, yo, and it's even going back, even with my crew, MF911 or the artists that I to work with. Right. I'm not on nobody's clock. My clock fast. I'm like Ricky Bobby. So all I know is how fast when the opportunity is there, yeah. I gotta take the opportunity. There you go. Because opportunities don't knock all the time. Yeah. So if it's something I wanna do, and yo, they say, yo, man, shit, man, you're gonna need a thousand to do this. Mm-hmm. And I'm gonna have I got a hundred dollars in my pocket, but mm-hmm. I still got a month to go. Man, I might be the the most standing this nigga on the corner with the pennies trying to make that situation help help right. me if further what I love and, and this hip hop and what this what we try to do with this music mm-hmm. is you know I don't mean nobody no harm. Right. We do we try to express ourselves and we try to do our songs and give our songs and our lives to other people. And in, in, in hopes that being able to inspire them through songs. If we if we're doing it individually from the first coalition to Nas to live, if we're doing this, which we're giving you our lives through song. So that right. means a lot. And you can't wage and you can't put a dollar on that. You can't put a value on that. So, you know, all I want to do is just be respected yep. for the thing that I've done in yep. this industry. I was the first artist to be the first group. We were the first, MF911 was the first group out of Detroit, Michigan to be signed Sorry. to a major. Wow. Boss was first to Def Jam. Yeah. MF911 was second to uh, Next Plateau Polygram Records. Okay. Wow. You know what I'm saying? Wow. I've been able to put my root down all over this thing. It's a lot of things that I've been able to accomplish, man. I, I'll tell you some. I'll tell you the craziest story. 1994, after our deal is over with uh, uh, Next Plateau, I go out to fly out, not fly, I drive out to Queens in my, I think I had a Durango, okay. Suzu Durango, not a Durango, yep. uh, Amigo, I had the Amigo, so I had the Suzu okay. Amigo. Okay. We go out to Queens. Uh, my boy, his name is uh, a friend of mine named Al Madden, he's managing uh, Jam Master J. Gotcha. So he's Got a connection, Jam Master J. So we drive out there. My amigo, Jam Master J, we out in Queens. Mm-hmm. Jam Master J, we put in, we come over to the studio. Um, it's amazing, man. We we go and we put on for him. Mm-hmm. I do my rap. You know, I'm skinny, light-skinned cat. Right. He was, and he's like, Jam Master J was like, told me, man, man, you rap too hard. Next time you rap to me, man, put a hood on. He said, man, put that hoodie on while you rapping. Because he was like, man, yo, man, you rap too hard for a light-skinned cat, man. So I was like, <laughs> I was not had the opportunity. Randy Allen, if you follow the story with Jam Master J, you know, in his death, unfortunately, there was a mm-hmm. guy named Randy Allen who was his best friend yep. who was involved with it and everything. Yep. So Randy Allen at the time, you know, he was Jay's partner 
but he was also the manager. Okay. So I just remember after that situation, get a month, a call a month later, Randy Allen calling me, uh, yo man, I want to manage you. I think I can get you a deal. Mm-hmm. Uh, this deal, I want, I want, I want to manage you. I'm like, whoa, for real? Okay. It never came to fruition, but if you think from Jam Master J to Randy Allen being all over the news years later and with the unfortunate death of him, it was like, man, it was like, wow, I was involved, you know, I was around them two cats. This That shit is just incredible. Yeah. So I just, you know, I've been in a lot of great situations, a lot of, uh, 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 a lot of situations that I've been able to continue my music uh, in hip hop. I'll let you go, whatever, whatever about. Oh, yeah. I hear you. No, your story is great, man. We got so much, and you've answered pretty much predominantly most of my questions. So, uh, just through your yeah. story, man. So, but yeah, we'll we'll go ahead and uh, get close to wrapping this up because we are already over an hour. But it's been oh. a beautiful story, and for you to be as vulnerable uh, as as you've been, man, this is this has been wonderful. But okay, let me give you one more question. We'll bring okay. it up to today. We got our uh, MCs who are dominating the charts and doing their thing today. Um, we have now Drake. We got Drake. I'll say his name, Drake. Uh, and he's doing his thing. He's dominating. But of course, we recently found out that uh, he has ghostwriters. Right. Um, he has a team that helps to put those records together. What is your opinion on that? Because, of course, going back in the day, I was back there, and at a time, rappers was like, listen, you know, we write our own stuff. If we don't write it, it don't happen. What is your opinion on now rappers coming up, got two or three writers, producers, all of these teams around them to basically uh keep them with uh hit records man i i think it, you know i'm a musician so it, everything is part of the production process uh from the writers to the music. uh i've been blessed to have some writers on some of my songs gotcha. uh, uh that is something that i didn't do in the 80s and that's something i didn't do in the 90s mm-hmm. that's not something i even did in the, I think my first time a guy wrote a song for me might might have been was a uh, 2006 2007. Mm-hmm. So at this point, you know, when you get into music, this is music is music, man. There's a whole production to make a song. Uh if you if if somebody got some sweet shit for you and that shit sound dope, mm-hmm. shit, rock that shit. As far as Drake I think Drake is remarkable with the writing skill, rather mm-hmm. they not his, rather they his or not. And I'm, you know, I'm an old school cat, mm-hmm. but I know I'm, I'm a producer, bro. I've mm-hmm. been in the studio with some of the greats and I've seen other guys get them whole, whole lines, whole, 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 whole half of verses, mm-hmm. construct they whole verses. You know what I'm saying? I've seen this. Right. So, I've never found anything uh, wrong with it. Okay. I think my very one of my dopest albums uh, was Cocaine Niggas, that was right. produced by Detective. Um, my guy from Chicago, Shy Gambit. I think he wrote about four songs on that thing for me, man. You know what I'm saying? Wow. So, 
Yeah, you know, and I and they I made a mind. I I didn't take the whole thing, but I was able to articulate some of my words and mm-hmm. and and change lines and make it me. Right. But it was part of the whole production. X Detective did the beats. Okay. Gambit wrote some of the verses. I said the verses and arranged the the accompaniment. So it was like it's a it's a whole part. You know, you're not you're not saying shit when they're not saying shit when. Uh, Quincy Jones wrote Michael Jackson shit, you know, or, or okay. you know, I, I don't know, you know, nigga write Michael Jackson's lyrics. I don't think too many, but for, the, you know, Teddy Riley writing and producing, Dr. Dre writing and producing for nobody is, you know, there's no question. This is music. We're trying to make the best song possible. I've got a new album coming out, man. You know, if okay. you look at my catalog, uh, the Ant Live catalog, whether you're on Tidal or, or, you know, you with title uh, uh Spotify or iTunes or whatever. Mm-hmm. Uh, my catalog is is big, but it's not written all by Ant Live. You okay. understand? Various gotcha. artists that I've worked with. Like okay. I said, I have a new album coming out that's called okay. Lemon Juice Razor Blaze. We're releasing that album this Friday. Gotcha. So it's very it's a it's it's a five-song EP. Okay. Uh, and it's 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 boom bap. It's, the video is incredible. So I want you to stay tuned for it. Yeah. Uh, I want all my people who are checking this out to yo. We, we I know we've been long in here, but if yeah. you on, check out this this album, Lemon Juice and Razor Blades. And, and brother, I want to just thank you again for the yeah. opportunity to come on your show and to speak with you and to tell my story. Uh, I, I appreciate you one thousand on that, man. And I look okay. forward to uh, rocking with you real soon. Real yeah, I'm promoting a gig. I'm promoting shows out here in San Antonio. Okay. Even though I live in and I have a venue in San Antonio called okay. the Reggae Bar. And uh, I'm bringing uh, on the 12th Rapper Noy. Okay. And after that, I'm bringing out Roscos. I think it's uh, two or three weeks later. So maybe okay. I can get the first coalition out here as well to rock okay. out with, with uh, Roscos and open that show. But man, I, I thank you again, John. Oh, no doubt. No doubt. Brother, I thank you. I appreciate you coming on. And uh, I know you probably don't always see it, but we see you. The respect is very high, brother, because we've been watching you do your thing. And you probably don't know how you've inspired cats like me to just keep going, you know, keep getting back in the game because it can get frustrating. And you just be like, man, I'm done with this. But then there's certain cats like yourself, I'd go check out and be like, oh, man, I, I know if I'm going through this, these cats had to go through this. So probably a, a, a double, you know what I'm saying? So if they had the strength to keep going, I'm going to do the same. So I appreciate you, brother, for coming through. And we got to do this again, man, because I got a bunch of other questions. So we can go a part two with this. So Man, well, I'll, I'll, I'll be happy to do it anytime for you. I, I enjoy the First Coalition and you guys' movement. It's a very authentic grassroots movement. And it, I, I get a spiritual element from you two brothers. You know, it's just a spiritual element that speaks through your music. And uh, I, I'm just blessed that I was able to, I've been able to rock with you guys yeah. on a number of occasions. But like I said, this is important for me to get my story off at different points yeah. at different times in my life. So I, I, yeah. you know, I'm definitely, uh, I, I, I definitely appreciate that opportunity. So let's get yeah. together soon. Again, definitely. I got to go out on the 12th 
Yep. And then I got a couple weeks off after that. So I want to get y'all out here okay. in San Antonio, rocking San Antonio and doing y'all thing and, and bringing your show remotely out here. Maybe you being able to uh, get what, I mean, uh, I know that you will be able to interview Roz Koss. Uh, we got beautiful. No yeah, we got Noy coming out on yep. the uh, on the 12th. I wish I'd have had okay. y'all for that. But we got a lot of great things happening. And we're okay. going to stay, uh, stay tuned and stay connected, brother. Definitely. Definitely. I appreciate you, brother. Thank you so much for coming through. Um, give them all your information so they know exactly where to go to get at you. And then uh, we'll shut this thing down. But uh, we will be in touch, brother. No doubt. Yo, this is uh, Ant Live. Uh, the Boom Bap Kings, and uh, I got, I, you can you can get in contact with me at Ant Live Boom Bap Kings Instagram. Uh, my other page on Instagrams is Boom Bap Kings Instagram. I'm also on Facebook as Anthony Singleton, and I'm on YouTube as Ant Live. Uh, my discography is long. Uh, I, you can go to Tidal, Spotify, iTunes, Apple, wherever you wherever your network is, and just put in Ant Live. You're going to see a lot of music, a lot of albums over the years. And uh, we're going to keep rocking. Like I said, I got a new project out with Nadira X. And I got a solo album I'm dropping this week called Lemon Juice and Razor Blaze. So it's going to definitely continue to be leafy. So appreciate you yes, checking in. And we're going to go. I look forward to part two and building with these brothers. And we can get the conversation and the dialogue and a different thing. Maybe we can kick it about what's going on this latest hip hop shit in the game right now. So yeah. thank you to man John and yes, uh to, to the to to that special place you from GR. Yep. Grand Raps, you know what yes, I'm sir. saying? Yes, sir. Much love up there. Much love, brother. I salute you. You take care, brother, and we'll talk soon. Thank you, man. Yes, Likewise. Sir. Yes, sir. Talk later. And live in the building. What more can you say?